Welcome to Colors and Cocktails. It's Tuesday, Amanda's birthday, February 24th. Hello, Yay. Amanda. Hello. Happy birthday, girl. Thank you. And this is, oh, and I'm Vanessa. And so, I'm Amanda. <laughs> <laughs> and it's snowing outside. It is, and it, but it's gross snow because it, it kind of is yeah. mixed with sleet. It's officially not going to do anything, so the kids are at school. Yes, yes they are. Evelyn was very disappointed. Yes, as were my boys. They were not up for it, but I bundled them up and, you know, that's where they are. Yep. And I'm working on a lovely cowl to try to stay warm and wearing fingerless gloves and hand-knit socks and, as usual, wearing my head-to-toe clown knitted costume. (laughs) Yes, I have a new shawl I'm wearing. (gasps) finished yesterday. What is it? It is, um, actually, let me look up the name of the pattern. <laughs> yes, do that. Definitely do. do. Yes, do that. Uh, so this is your birthday shawl? I guess so. Yeah, I finished it yesterday and it, I got it blocked and everything. So this one is happy birthday to me. Yes. Okay. The shawl is by Moi Knit, M-W-A-A Knit. Uh, oh, like Moi. Moi, yeah. So it's not and like, it's at first the... I'm thinking of French, me, you know, Moi et vous. Oh, no. no. Mwah. And it's the easy Elizabeth Zimmerman hundredth anniversary Gull Wings half circle shawl. Neat. Yes. So her birthday, Elizabeth Zimmerman. In case anyone cares why, this is kind of dedicated to her. Um, Elizabeth Zimmerman's birthday is August ninth, nineteen ten. So eight nine ten. That is so cool. So on the hundred, on her hundredth anniversary of her birth. She, this woman designed like three different shawls, either full circle or half. And each stitch pattern she used within the shawls either had eight, nine, or ten stitch repeats. That's so neat. Yeah. That's like very subtle, sort of under the hood, almost code, you know, like, like an encrypted message. Yes. I love that. Yes. So I used Malabrigo Finito. And mm-hmm. I only used about 500 yards. Wow. Even though the pattern said I was going to use somewhere between 700 and 900. They didn't know you. They didn't know me. Apparently, <laughs> I'm such a tight knitter. Yeah. Because I start, well, and this is also, I started this, not back in 2010. I think it was 2011 when I started this shawl. Honestly. Let me see if it's in my projects. Because I am curious on how long it yeah. took me to finish this. Okay. Got to check it out. I love it that you're finishing up so many projects. I'm so proud of you. Yeah. One wing gull. Um, oh, I didn't set a date. Uh, did not. You'll do better next time. I know. How I many of us really do keep up with that as well I, as we I should? But I mean, I'm very excited for you. I can't wait to see it. Yeah. I just got to weave in the two little ends. Yes. And, um, yeah, so there we go. I finished my um, my my socks that I gave to my friend Natasha. Oh. And I finished them Saturday night, so I gave them to her Sunday morning, and it was so nice to be able to move on. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. I am sure. And then, gosh, I'm almost done with the unnamed pattern by Amanda Cowell. 
Yeah, you're moving along a lot quicker than I am because I stopped to work on this shawl. Oh, is that? I was wondering what happened there because usually you're, I mean, you are obviously twice as fast as I am. So it's one of those, what the heck happened? She must have put that down or not felt Mm -hmm. good or something. But I'm glad that it was good things to finish your beautiful shawl. Yeah, you know, and I've been, you know, switching between the cowl and a couple pairs of socks. Oh, yes. Socks are so fun. Yeah, so I I have a pair of socks that I'm knitting for Adam. And how far along are you on those? I finished one sock, and I'm close to turning the heel on the second. Cool. And what what yarn are you using for those? I'm using uh, a Cascade Mm. Heritage hand paint. I don't know the color. Well, that's been in your stash for a while, hasn't it? Long, long while. Yes, okay. A lot, yeah. I'm just kind of trying to churn through some socks to use up some of this sock yarn that's in my stash. And it's most mostly what I'm using is like the super hyper variegated sock yarn I have. Uh Because that yarn isn't going to be good to knit shawls or anything else out of because it may pool or flash or obscure any kind of pattern you put with it. You know... I don't know what flash is as opposed to pool. What is that? Okay, pool is when you have, like, all the color kind of just globbing on into this, like, pool of color. Right. Now, you can have a flash of, let's say you have a blue yarn with some yellow. The flash would be like a stripe of, like, a streak of yellow going diagonally, just flashing across that pool. Gotcha. So, flashing, there's also plaiding. You can actually have your variegated yarn, and the way it knits, it actually will look like plaid. That's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Right, let's see if I can... Yeah, I'd I love might... to see that as an yeah. attentional effect. I know some people are able to do the math on their various yarns and, you know, the self-striping and, and do other things with it, and that's that's kind of cool. I like that. Yes. But I'm doing good to, to be able to look at a what's left in my ball of yarn and say, do I have enough to finish this project? If I can do that, I, I'm doing all right. So. <laughs> yeah. I, what you, what you told me yesterday, what we're doing is Amanda has a neat pattern that she's made for a cowl and we're using our new ghee, um, lovely Aaron weight cashmere and Merino blend to knit this up and see how it works and see how, how well it'll work with this yarn. And it is it is scrumptious. I'm loving knitting it. It's gone really fast. It's a neat looking pattern. I like how it's turning out, especially with the, the colors that we've dyed. It's It makes like neat little punches of color. I, I really like how it's happening. Yeah, but, I'm in love with mine. But Amanda's directions don't tell you when to stop. It's like, okay, so knit as far as you want and then do your last bit of border because we're kind of trying to figure out what best gauge and what, you know, how big can you get it to use up as much yarn as possible and yet not play yarn chicken right so i think we'll be able to have a good range between your knitting and my knitting to help people plan if they want to knit this project so i i used your basics for you know how much for cast off how much for those last few rows and kind of backed them out of the end of the skein yeah or the yeah. ball or whatever. i mean, I mean yeah. and i would do like one extra oh yes got to yeah. do that extra length because yeah. Coming down to a two-inch tail, <laughs> oh, yeah. which I have done before. Like, oh, oh, I have too. Oh, I no. have too. And it, you have that, that last, like, can this be done? Can it happen? But, yeah, I don't like playing yarn chicken. 
No. But I also don't like having so much left over at the end that I go, gosh, that's really a waste and it's not enough to do anything with. I wish I'd just done two or three more repeats or something. Yeah. Like for me right now, this shawl that I just finished, I followed the pattern and and I have like 500 yards left. So I have half of a little ball because they're 200 ball, yard balls. So I have a half a ball and two full balls. So I don't know what I'm going to do with the rest of it. Because I don't want to knit another, you know, right? Another shawl just like this, because that'd be silly to have two of the same same color. thing, yeah, in the same color, same everything. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So, I love the images you just sent to me that are about flashing and pooling. Mm-hmm. Those are unbelievable. I, fi- I figure that's a good example of pooling. Yeah, and. In a way, if you saw that, you wouldn't, I mean, as a non-knitter, you just might think, that's funky. Yeah, you wouldn't know that the yarn did everything. Yeah, and it looks like, in a way, that they intended it because of the weird seams. Right, because sometimes, like, the, um, those socks that you just did in Squelch. Yes, that I'm wearing as we speak. Oh, wonderful. Because you know how that created that kind of spiral stripe. I like that. Yes. It was fun. Now, changing the stitch count or your tension could have thrown that all to craziness, and you (laughs) could have gotten what is plaiding. And I'm trying to find a good example. Yeah, you definitely need... That's what I'm interested in seeing. Because at first I heard plait, like braiding. Oh, braid. No, no, no. That's not what you mean at all. Tartan. How about tartan? I use tartan. Okay, that works. Definitely. I think because I do love color and color work so much, I, I'm almost hesitant in some ways to use these funky, striping, flashing, pooling colors because I want oh, a little more control. Yes. In, but at the same time, oh, I mean, I know you're not going to use it for color work, but right. I, like, I like a little bit of controlled color. So when it's kind of getting crazy out there and going its own direction, it's almost like watercolors do. You have to, there has to be a level of acceptance when you're working with watercolor, that it's going to do a couple of things that you weren't counting on. And that's how this, this yarn can be. This whole yarn thing. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So what's happening with my cowl that I'm working on, your design, which we have to think of a name for, yes. is there is some color pooling, but it's not, it's not like it's bad. It's like it's beautiful. It looks like moss growing on beautiful rocks. Oh, see, mine is, since I'm using the different colorway, it's... Yeah, mine is like little flashes of flowers and a, like, you know, when you look out on a field of yes. just wildflowers waving that's, in the breeze, that that's what it reminds me of. Too. Yeah, this is just a different field. This one's full of heather or lavender and yours is full of uh, little pink and red flowers. Yeah, pink, red and yellow <laughs> flowers. Yeah, which yeah, is, is not your typical colorway, but I bet you'd wear this because it's just beautiful. I hope I will. I think you will. And I think we'll be wearing them to stitches. I know. I'm so excited. Signed up for my class. Yes, I did too. So we'll be in class together so we can be disruptive. Yes. No, I'm, I'm, I'm a very type A student. <laughs> so if, if you disrupt me, if you distract me, I'm going to sit across the room and glare at you. <laughs> I'm sorry. I want sorry, an A. Cool. I want an A plus and I want to do it right you know, that's that I've always been kind of driven when I was in school that way. Uh, Once I got to college, that is. 
Oh my God! No. But knitting college is even better. So when I take a class, I'm like, I'm here. I'm I'm paying attention. I'm on this. It's fun. You are a crazy lady. Yeah, well, that's how you get the most out of it, you know? I guess we should say what kind of class we're taking. Well, I guess we should. So we are taking a steek class, and that's S-T-E-E-K. Which is cutting your knitting. Which I think, <laughs> um, oh, I read somewhere what steek actually means. Oh, it was in the book I got from the library. Oh. It's the Alice Starmore book. And basically, it means to close the front of a sweater. It has oh. nothing to do with cutting. So it's really saying, it's more like saying zipper. Yeah, zipper or button band. Okay. Something like that. Yeah, which I found interesting. So it's just a way, the cutting is a way to clo- to turn it, you know, into a card and to then close it. <laughs> what is that origin? Is it a... Like Scottish word or something? I think it's Scandinavian. Okay. That makes sense, of course. Yeah, I think it's Scandinavian. That would be... That would seem very appropriate. Yes. So I'm curious because the homework for the class is four five-by-five squares with the center four stitches knit through the back loop, twisted. So that denotes where we're going to cut. But I'm wondering, I mean, she also says we need a crochet hook. Yeah. So I'm assuming we're going to do a crocheted secured edge, which is what I've done. That's the only okay. way I've done a, a steak. Yeah, that uh, that was the only kind I knew about that I'd read, but I haven't attempted a steak ever. So I'm excited I've, I've about it. I've done a steak on a little cardigan I made Evelyn. It was turning out way too big mm-hmm. for her. So I was like, oh, I'll just turn it into a cardigan. Just an open ah. front cardigan. She wore it for like two or three years because is... it was so long and big. Ah. It was perfect. And then just recently when I knit that little tea cozy, it yes. had two steaks in it. One for the spout, one for the handle. I love that thing. I just do. I still haven't finished it. Oh. I still have to go in and <laughs> like do an I-cord bind off around the steak holes and the bottom. Okay. I have I just, a... I've just been putting that off because I... I don't mind I-cord, but when it's an attached, I, I mean, I have to, ugh. I want a final number of projects you have <laughs> that are incomplete. And I want a countdown. I'm going to do a countdown on the website. Oh, God. And when we get to zero, we're going to celebrate. Dang it, it'll never be zero, though. But it will. From that the is number, so depressing. From the, no, it's exciting. Wait, from the number like now, yeah, it doesn't like, include anything new, I see. Right. So anything you knew, knew that you start as, you know, as of, let's say, February 28th, which is the end of the month, won't be in this countdown. But when you count it up and it's like, let's say it's, oh, 12. When we, yeah. What was that? Did I hear a little tiny giggle or something? Yeah. So let's just say optimistically that it's 20. <laughs> Then when we're done, when we're done, and when I say we, I mean, I'll be the one just cheering you on because I'm not knitting this stuff for you, obviously, because I can't. But when you're done, we're going to celebrate. We're going to do something. Okay. What if I decide to frog a project? It needs to be judicious. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, no, no. And I mean, I, you wouldn't just, yeah, that would come no, off your I list. No, I would not just frog something to get yeah, my number Right. So you've made, and you've made a decision and you've yeah. moved on. And I think that counts. I think it totally counts because it is off the needles. <laughs> okay. I mean, ultimately, that's the goal is get the, you know, get that unfinished list down to something that is uh, manageable. And if it takes a year, it takes a year. But 
I don't think it will. We'll see. Especially with me motivating you and teasing you about it weekly. I mean, gently coerce. No, the coercing isn't a good word. Mm-hmm. Nudging you toward the finish line. You know, this tortoise and the hare thing. It doesn't. It doesn't matter. Be fast. You know, it's just about slow and steady, right? Yeah. And the race isn't anything except for to the reward that I got to think up now, you know. <laughs> so the way we're going to celebrate is going to be a reward. It'll oh, be yay. awesome. Yeah. I think that'll be fun. I think we should go to one of these fancy bars I found a list of. Well, that makes sense since we haven't had any cocktails lately. I had lots of cocktails last night. And you're probably going to have a few tonight. Well, I need at least one review. You ready to tell me what you got? Oh, I just had Jameson and ginger beer Oh, with some lime. So was it real ginger beer or just ginger? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, it was ginger beer. Non-alcoholic. Okay. Ginger beer. But yummy ginger. Yeah, like super like burn your lips a little bit ginger. (laughs) ginger beer something about that doesn't Um, sound really that great but okay everybody knows that super intense ginger flavor yeah so yeah that and and uh and jameson interesting and is that just on the rocks and shaking something a little bit okay yeah i you know at at our house we mostly only have pint glasses Mm -hmm. that that's what we use all the time every day for everything Sturdy and all-purpose. Sturdy and all-purpose, exactly. And we had a friend who used to work at a bar. And, you know, the beer companies would just give the bar glasses. And so he had... I gave away half of the glasses that I got. Oh, wow. And I had already gotten half of the glasses. So he had so many... He passed them on to a, one person first. They took what they wanted. I got the next batch. Oh, and I then see. I sent, spent, sent about another half of what I had gotten <laughs> to someone else. You have a lovely collect- collection. I do. You've seen my pint glasses. Yes. Yeah. So that was what you were sipping from. Yeah. So, you know, you fill the pint glass filled with ice, you know, maybe mm-hmm. three quarters of the way full with ice. And then you pour the glass half full of Jameson, put a quarter of a lime in it and top it off with the ginger beer. And you're done for the night. I had three of those. <laughs> uh, or I'm done for the night. And you're three. still going strong. <laughs> I was still going strong. I was not slurring my words. Awesome. I wasn't walking funny. There was no, I mean, I probably smelled like a bar. But, but hey. other than that, there was no, I, I may have been a little chattier and giggly. Yes, which is always. By the horrible. end of the night. But I mean, yeah, I mean, I had my last drink at. So if I you mean, that was to, like all, I, I started drinking at like four. If you were going to order that in a bar, well, they might not have ginger beer, but let's say they did. Oh, you just order a Jameson and ginger. Okay. Jameson it's just, and ginger with lime. Because you're going to get ginger ale. Yeah, ginger ale, which is usually what I drink, but I didn't have any. Yeah. So I used the ginger beer because we had the ginger beer for mules because we made mules a couple weeks ago. Ah, yes. Okay. Well, that totally makes sense. So, yeah, yum. Well, I haven't had any cocktails or anything interesting lately, so I have nothing to report or review, but maybe next week, because, oh, well, we'll have to celebrate somebody's birthday soon. Yes. Yes, so. Yes, we will. Yeah, maybe when we get together with our knitting ladies. I can't this week. Oh, boo. I'm going to a concert. 
Oh, that's right. That's right. And that's special, too. Yes. For anyone who cares, I'm going to see the Punch Brothers. That's if that means awesome. anything to anybody, then you're cool. If not, you need to get some learning. <laughs> well, I wasn't was not cool and didn't know until recently because you'd mentioned them and they're just wonderful. It's really neat kind of how would you describe it? Um uh, modern progressive bluegrass. Yeah. But but not I mean they're not folk. It has folk in there. Yeah. It has folk and it has classical feel too. Yes. Also. But it, like, they're not doing traditional. Like, don't think of "Oh, Brother, Where Art Thou" kind of music with a modern twist. That's not it at all. Yeah. They're writing, you know, their own stuff, brand new music. They do do some traditional bluegrassy type music, but I mean, there's. One of their songs is um, about, I think, her patchwork girlfriend. <laughs> and so they kind of describe, like, all these perfect things, and they kind of stitch her together, and it's Frankenstein-y kind of stuff. That sounds fun. I mean, their first album... Okay, let me back it up. The, the main guy who started the Punch Brothers is called Chris Thiele. And he was in a band that I loved loved, 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 called Nickel Creek. Yes. A lot of people know Nickel Creek. They were pretty, they were, they were popular enough. Mm -hmm. And that's, if you know their music, then Punch Brothers just takes that up to the next level kind of thing. We should choose your favorite video and we'll post some links to it too. So if anybody wants to find some good stuff on them, they can find it quickly. Okay, sure. Yeah. yeah. I will link both Nickel Creek and, and Punch. Yes. So, the main guy, Chris Thiele, he ended up going through a divorce, and he wrote this piece. And it is actually, it's treated like a classical piece. There are four movements. Whoa. And, it, yeah. And so when it's performed, it's performed start to finish with little pauses, just like a normal classical piece. But it is written for violin, banjo, mandolin, uh, guitar, and bass. Upright oh, bass. Oh, neat. So... He, I think he was kind of a pioneer to to use that grouping of instruments mm-hmm. in this classical style, but writing a very bluegrass, jazz-infused piece. Wow. And so he used that, that, it's called The Blind Leading the Blind. And he used that piece to kind of work through his divorce, and he got this band started, and they've kind of been doing things together. They, they're on their fourth album now. That's very neat. Yes. So I I really love them, and I've missed them the last couple times they've come to Atlanta just for scheduling or because I had an infant, you know, that's, things like yeah, that. Yeah, that's a good you reason. Know. So I'm very So excited. this is a perfect birthday celebration. It is. I love it. it. That's so really it's, neat. it's at this place in Atlanta called the Tabernacle, and if you're not familiar with it, I will also link that yeah. because it used to be an old church, hence the name the Tabernacle. So they've just taken out all the pews. In the floor, they've left stuff in the balcony, and then they made, like, a stage. And I, first time I ever saw Nickel Creek back in 2000? Mm-hmm. Ish? Ish. 2000, 2001, was at the Tabernacle. And they did something really cool where at the end of their set, at the very end, they unplugged all their instruments and came in front of the monitors and played, like, 
super acoustic, just them, no mics, no pickups, no nothing. That's neat, too. It was the most magical musical experience I've ever had. And I'm a classically trained musician, so I've seen the Atlanta Symphony. I've seen, and I'm a cellist, so I've seen Yo-Yo Ma in person and heard him play and all this stuff, and nothing nothing beats that to this day. (laughs) Wow, that's quite, that is quite an endorsement. Yeah, so. Neat. Yeah, I I love them. And you have a connection to Chris Thiele. Well, at least your husband does. Yes, he knows his dad. And since Oli, um carves pipes that are like tobacco pipes so you do have to specify why well, I, I do because people the first time you told me you did not specify and i was trying to tell adam i'm like i i don't know if these are like you know like, uh, like we're hippie weed smokers yeah, no i was like well, yeah, she is an artist she yeah. wears lots of skirts and her hair is down a lot i don't know it could be either i don't know. so no for the record no <laughs> but it's um it's a pipe carving is its own small niche and they're like sculptures and they're collectors and some very high-end pipes that people buy and sell for thousands of dollars and his father is a pipe carver who knows my husband because of that and they go to things like the Chicago Pipe Show and things like that and so at some point he I guess met his dad and I suddenly forget his name but I shouldn't. Mr. Thiele. Mr. Thiele. And was talking. He's like, oh, yeah, well, my son plays in this band thing, whatever. And, <laughs> yeah. And Oli looked it up later and he's like, whoa, this yeah, is amazing. Chris Thiele has been a recipient of the MacArthur. Yeah. He's right. amazingly talented. Yeah, and, yeah. Like he's one of the MacArthur geniuses. It's so cool. Yeah. that That's not just, you know. Oh, yeah, I know. And I, I don't think he was, his dad was necessarily shrugging it off, but. You know, they're there with all these ultra world famous pipe smoker, pipe carver people. So it wasn't a really venue where he expected anybody to have the appreciation, I guess, of that. Does that make sense? You know what I mean? Yes. So I think that's why. But then Oli looked it up and he was like, now this is pretty darn amazing. (laughs) Pretty cool stuff. Yes. Okay. So. My my hunt for plaiding self-striping yarn is here yeah or not self-striping hand-painted yarn i sent you a link scroll down okay it's a small picture unfortunately gotcha it's the purple and gold okay the woman's in like a a dress suit two-piece outfit oh i see Holy cow. See how that works? Yes. And that's amazing. But that's not just like one kind of yarn, is it? I believe it is. I've had yarn that does that. Wow. Where you have like a base color and then the way the the other color, like in this this example we're going to put, it's like a gold base color, but then it has these purple and the way the purple... The way they are knitting the piece. Now, yeah. if they change something, it wouldn't do this. They change the numbers slightly. But the way this particular piece is knit, the hand-dyed yarn, the purple in it, is making these diagonal mm-hmm. lines, which are causing it to look plaid. 
Wow, I can't imagine what it would take to figure this out from... Yeah, but, I mean, you can see in that picture that it is one yarn. And it's doable, yeah. That's really wild. And it's just, again, it's just the way, you know, because we're used to using this really variegated hand-painted yarn in the round. Mm -hmm. But if you stopped and only did half whatever was going on, you know, if you were doing 32 stitches back and forth instead of in the round, mm-hmm. 64, you know, it would completely change the way these yarns look. Yeah, it absolutely would. I'm sorry again to like bounce back and forth, but it took me forever to find an No, that's example. okay. I think, I think everybody's always happy to get to knitting stuff anyway. Yes. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry about my musical thing. Oh, so. no. I, I, <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? I, I hope. <laughs> no, I do. I do. Yeah. It's nice every now and then, but don't dwell on it. I know. I got it. Okay. I got it. Okay. Okay. I don't have to have so, a disciplinary talk with you later. No, <laughs> no. I know. I'm on probation. No. See how this goes. <laughs> I mean, people are really tuning in to listen to us talk about alcohol, I'm pretty sure. So. Yeah. No. <laughs> so, Jameson and Ginger. Yeah. That, try that. Try that. Um, but, yeah. I, I really... I love what what little things can change. Yes. Now, when we do our variegated yarns, they're not usually on such a strict... You know, each... Like, if you take two skeins of yarn and are dyeing them, they're not going to have the exact same variegation because of the way that we do it. I mean, we can do it this way, probably. And met, well, we do when it comes to striping or semi-self-striping sorts of things, but it's a different thing yeah, when it the, comes the to... Yeah, the experiments we've tried. Yes, and I'm loving doing those. Every time we do another yarn experiment, it just, it recharges my batteries. I just love seeing what's coming out of it. I love knitting it up. Um, doing this cowl, seriously, I love this color combination. And it's a little springier. Then it is I'm, springy, but I mean... I love it. I mean, I don't usually I go for... I think in the for, dead of gray winter, it'll be a nice pop. Yes, exactly. And it's not like it's so far out there that it's... Um, you know, I, I don't do pastels or anything like that. I just can't. Yeah. I mean, everybody has their stuff they love, though. But this is a nice... Um, you know, it's everything. It's that beautiful periwinkle blue to a little bit of a gorgeous lavender... To an electric blue, to a deep green, to an olive green. I don't know. And it sounds crazy, but it just works. And it feels, and it's very calming. I did post on Instagram a close-up of the star section last night. Nice. Because I just like it. Because it makes me happy. I really like that stitch. Yeah, the star stitch is a very neat stitch. Because if you are working with variegated yarn, even every petal on it can look a little... I say petal, every sort of spike in the star might end up being another color, depending on how closely variegated the yarn is. Yeah. And variegated yarn is hard to work with sometimes. You know, when you look at it. It's hard. Yeah, it's hard to find, especially with like a worsted weight, because you're not going to make a pair of socks with worsted weight yarn, unless they're house socks. Right. But But not with this cashmere. Yeah, not with this. See, I mean, with this blend, you want it close to the skin. Yes. So that means. And because it's so soft, you want it on a delicate, you can wear it on a delicate area, like mm-hmm. your neck. Absolutely. This will be and, nice to have around my neck. Yeah. So then you start thinking, oh, well, I guess we could turn it into a scarf. Mm-hmm. But to really show off 
the variegation, you're not going to want to do a whole scarf in some fiddly little pattern. I mean, you can. Don't yeah. get me wrong. People have. There's a whole, whole, you know. Yeah, there's hundreds pattern. of examples all over Ravelry. Yeah, but, you know, this is kind of high-end yarn, so you're not going to have four or five of these to make a big, nice, wide scarf that would be so yummy. Yeah, most likely you're not. Not on my budget, you're not. Not on my budget. Yeah. And I think but, it, we're kind of in the center of the knitter budget people. I mean, there's some people who really don't mind spending $200 on yarn for one project. But, you know, that's I'm not there. Mm-mm. And I can't. But I do like good yarn. So when I do have this one luxury skein of something with cashmere, I want to make the most of it. I think this pattern does. So I'm, I'm really, really happy with it. I do too. I, I'm very happy with it. I'm, and it keeps my interest. Yeah, there is, because the way I've written this pattern, we'll post pictures so you yes, can see. Yes, we will. It's not a secret. It's not like, ooh, we got secret knitting. Though someday <laughs> we're going to have secret knitting. And oh, we're yes. just going to say, we're doing secret knitting. Secret. And leave it. Yeah. Secrets. Who, what, oh, what was that? Was that Saturday Night Live or? What? Oh, secrets. I don't know. Oh, that that's from something. That's either that's some late night. It's either <laughs> okay. a late night talk show, like one of their bits. Which explains why I don't know about it, because I go to oh. bed at 9 o'clock. That's true. <laughs> that's true. I was watching the uh, SNL 40, 40th, and I'm like, oh, I remember that, and remember that. You know, and Adam just looks at me like, what? Blink, blink, blink. Yeah, because he goes to bed at 9 o'clock also. Yes. I stay up till, you know, like, 1. <laughs> Are you one of those just more one more row knitters, too, at night? Oh, heck yeah. Or if I know I only have X amount of rows, I will try and bust it out. I've been known to stay up till three finishing projects. Oh, see, anything that actually was knitted probably after 11 is going to get ripped out (laughs) from me. Be like, what was I doing? That's just not going to work. Yeah, no, not for me. I mean, I will find things like in the next morning. What is going on? What is this? What was I thinking? Yeah. I have found one time I did, because I use little brass stitch markers to, you know. Well, at one point during the night, it had fallen off my needle, but it had had gone around a stitch, and I didn't notice it. I just moved it. So as I knit, continued to knit, I noticed... (laughs) That I, it was essentially I had put a bead. Yeah, so say you did a beading. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I found that the next morning. And good thing, this particular time, I think it was one of the little rubber ones, so I just cut it off. But yeah. one time I had to drop a stitch down and oh dear, take the ring off and ladder it back up. So I've done that. That's funny. and I've I've done other things that it's like what what no this is <laughs> bad this is this is very bad. I've had I think I've mentioned before people look at shawls that I'm working on that have all the markers on the side. My markers are pretty because I like to make pretty markers and going, oh, that's so beautiful how you've done that. And it's like, oh, those are not going to be there when I'm done. Yeah. yeah. But I, one of these days I need to just do that. I think it would be kind of fun to sort of just go ahead and knit my markers in with the beads on them and that would be part of just the fun craziness of the design. I know you think I'm a crazy hippie chick, but hey, I think it would work. I do. Actually, there is a pattern by a no. designer. Of course. Which, Stephen West. No, really? Yeah. It's called Ithac... Hold on, let me see. And he does I this? I will send it to you. Okay. 
and he does this. Of course it's not, he does. It's not like um, marker markers. He actually uses seashells. Oh, okay. Okay. But it is like a linen shawl that you can wear as like a wrap skirt almost. Mm-hmm. And it's really cute. And I could see your stitch markers okay. on this. That would be neat. Oh, now I got to find it. Oh, I think it, oh, I can't remember which, I think it's four. Okay. I think it's Westness Knits West, West book Knits. four. I can't, I can't ever say it. <laughs> Knits two. Where's four? I do not know. I found it. I found All it. Right, I'm, good. I'm going. I'm Very going. Good. Yay. Oh, why is this so hard? Here we go. Attacka. Attacka? I don't know how to say it. Of course you don't. <laughs> what was I thinking? <laughs> you tell me how to say it. <laughs> okay. Well, it makes me think of Ithaca, but it's Ithaca. Yeah, but it, it's not. Right. It's Ithaca. Ithaca? Yeah, we're not. Ithaca. No, it starts with I. Well, you're thinking like Italian. Italian. Oh, it is cute though. Yeah, and you're you're, you know, mm-hmm. wouldn't have to do as quite as regularly. Yeah, that's not my style, the stripy thing. But no, uh, yeah, but but I like the idea of the, yeah. the shells along the side a lot. And I collect, I collected a lot of beautiful shells last year in Saint Augustine that have the little hole in everything. So that would be perfect for that. Oh, yeah. It he. He took a vacation in Lido, Itaca, in Pinento, Italy. Of course he did. <laughs> Itaca and Itali. Uh-huh. Exactly. Perfect. So there you go. Yeah. Maybe next time I go, since we went to to the island of Murano where they do the glass blowing. <sighs> yeah, it was really neat. That's what I'll be picking up next time. Yeah. 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 I can see. Yeah. That'd be really just a wonderful way to remember, though. Pick up little things from any trip that might work as a little ornament. I like I like it when people can ornament their knits with special things. You know, just that one cool button or the beautiful, I don't know, the beautiful little bead here and there. I think it's wonderful. It doesn't have to be overboard. No, um, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> What's going Hold through on. your brain? Hold on, there, forever ago, I remember reading in, oh, uh, <laughs> uh, it was like a interweave or something. Uh-huh. Um, and there were little, like, sigils that you could buy that you would knit into a project. Oh. Huh. Like little, um... And I'm trying to find, like, you could choose. Like, there were 20 little, little things. Okay. See, wouldn't it be interesting, too, to do kind of a um, a travel project that while you were traveling, that occasionally, if you happen to come across a button or a bead or something, that you would just put it in that day? Yes. It... <clears throat> I think I might do that next time I go to Europe. Next time you go to Europe. Yeah. One of these days I'll make it across the pond. Yes, you will. 
You'll turn 40 someday, just like I did. That was the yeah. last time I went, and it was, that's I'm a good time. I would go to Hawaii for my 40th, though. Oh, well, that sounds nice, too. And yeah, Hawaii well, would have lots to to... of lovely, awesome yeah. shells and beads and neat little lava things. I'm sure you could find all kind of wonderful little souvenirs to knit into something. Yes. I I had wanted to go for my 30th, and mm-hmm. we were planning and planning and planning, and then... You know, the the bottom fell out of everything. The and, economy. Yeah, and then I had a two-year-old, and it just was not going to work. Yeah, it just wasn't the time yet. No. So then I thought maybe we could plan for our 10th year anniversary, which was last year, and it didn't happen again. <sighs> you, don't, you don't need to have it be on a special year. No, I know. But I figure if I try and, like, pl- start planting the seed now. Yes, Hey, when I turn 40, I want to do this. Have you ever, I know there's a thing online where you take your change from transactions and it puts it into a separate little side savings account. So it rounds things up in like 32 cents here and 29 cents there. And it adds up over time. That might be a neat way to start putting away just nickel and dimes for your spending money for a trip like that. Yeah. Yeah, we'll post that link. I just want my husband to make lots of money at his job and... Well, that would be nice. Yeah, I'd like to live. that could happen. Like, that's the crazy thing about the way Adam's work is, is that could happen at any point. Yeah. He could have that next job that is just... The one. The one. Yeah. Right, that could set us up for years. Or it could be, no, got to work like a dog for just nickel and dime type jobs. (laughs) For a few more years. So it could be really frustrating working for himself in the industry he's in. Yeah. Because stuff. because it's just him and his dad and his brother helps out. They can do some of these very small jobs mm-hmm. that bigger companies cannot do. Yeah, that's a, it puts them in a very nimble position. It does, because another company would lose money doing these small jobs that he does. Ah, so because he's... they have the engineer person, mm-hmm. and then they have like four or five people to do what one and a half, two people do at his company. Ah, yeah. So they would end up losing money on this job, whereas Adam makes a good bit of money. That's a good thing. Yeah, it's just, it's interesting. So So when the big one hits, Hawaii is the first stop. Yes, because I don't know why Hawaii is the first stop. On the way to Japan. That's probably it. Yep, exactly. Now, Japan. One of the things that I want to look at at Stitches is those amazing Japanese stitch dictionaries. Oh, yes. Because I always look at them at shows. I always, like, linger. And they're not something you can just go down to your local knit shop and buy, usually. No, no. You can... Well, you can find them on the internet. Yes, you can. Pretty easily. Yeah. But the thing about Japanese stitch dictionaries is that you don't have to speak Japanese to read them. That's a good thing. You and I... You can get something to easily translate a little little snippets here mm-hmm. and there. But the symbols are symbols. Once you learn what the symbol is, you're yes. done. And it's not, it's not like translating English to kanji or back and forth. It's, you know, this is an yeah. image. It's just a different symbol. And they have a very interesting sensibility with their knitting. You know, I... I'm attracted to more Scandinavian sensibilities when it comes to bright colors and just fun decorative 
pieces. Yes, yes, like the oil lily. Right. However you say But it. the Japanese knitting that I see, they tend to use like a lot of off-white or gray. They clean. use a real, ple- yeah, real clean, spare Subtle. sensibility with some really amazing pieces. Yes, so yes, absolutely. I, I want to look at it and I want to enjoy it, but I know I'm not going to knit them like that. It's just not, it's not how I'm going to do it. But I still want to have that as a reference for ideas that I have, you know? Yes. So that's on my list. Yeah, I've, I've come to realize that my sensibilities, in terms of knitting, of what I like and what I enjoy mm-hmm. knitting, I really enjoy knitting lace. Oh, yes, you do. And I really like cables. Mm-hmm. And then in terms of color, where you like the pops of color and high contrast, right? Yeah, and, you know, kind of a Noro type thing happening. Yeah, which... I'm more of the the Shetland. Yeah. Like, I, I really love, you know, the little Shetland sheep, all the colors they mm-hmm. come in and, you know, just the natural colors. Now, when I, and, when I was... And, and the shading that goes into, like, Fair Isle knitting. Ah, uh, yes. You know, that's the thing I was thinking. I was stereotyping, I guess, Japanese knitting in some way, because then you have Noro, who's very true. absolutely a major color person out there. And I don't, Right, but I mean, the color is all built into the yarn. Right, I don't think, but I don't equate his stuff as being part of Japanese knitting culture that much. No, that is so done for a Western world. Yeah, it's like it's created just for people like me. And yeah. just by somebody like him who has this amazing gift for color. Exactly. Because if you look at Japanese design, like if you just go to Ravelry and look up designers from Japan, they're not using color Mm-mm. like Noro. They're not using Noro, number one. That's interesting. <laughs> you know, you would think that that's, that would be a thing, but it just it just isn't. I think it's too American. Yeah, probably so. I'm just too American. Yeah. What can I say? So, yeah, it, it's really interesting to see the different flavors of knitting around the world. Yeah. Because you have, like, uh, the Selbu Selbu knitting, mm-hmm. which is... Which is... is that? Which is... Oh, goodness. <laughs> That's like... There you go, trying to pronounce words again. Oh, no, I'm, I'm stopping at Selbu. Okay. Selbu. But that's, that's, um, you know, the Eastern European, it's not Russian. Okay. But it's, uh, I think part of it may have been part of the Eastern. I'm not getting any mental pictures here though. So give me a mental picture. It's very, um, stark. So black and white, red and white, um, similar to Norwegian, but a little more complex in their patterns. Okay. Let's, let's Google image this. Selbu. Neat. Yes. And then Selbu. Oh, Selbu is... Oh, just kidding. It's a municipality in Norway. Okay. So Norwegian. So, yeah, Norwegian. Well, that makes sense, because I was going to... You're going to try to figure that out, huh? Yeah. Now, one, you know, who I, I really like as far as a, a regional style, too, is Andean knitting. Wow. Oh, yeah, from the Andes. Wow. You know, all the men do the knitting there. Oh, my gosh. The women do the spinning, and the men do the knitting. It's so beautiful. 
I mean, I, I want to be able to do that. Part of me wants to lean in that direction sometimes and just do work with these solids and do this stuff. As much as I love working on the yarn and making variegated colored yarn, I just love color work. And the stuff they do with those tiny and all those little strands. Yep. I have a um, DVD by Piecework. But, oh, yeah. I've been yes. wanting to borrow that. Okay, well. Because you told me about it, and then you never let me borrow it. You just teased it. I just, yeah, I just did you that just to torture it. you. Yeah, you did. It's really good, and I need to watch it again because I've grown as a knitter since I first got it. And you know how you have that in the beginning, like, I could never do that feeling, and now I, I need to watch it again and see if I still feel that way. <laughs> you probably don't. Well, a lot of it is kind of like the Latvian braid where you're moving the yarn in front of and behind. You're moving your yarn a lot. So I think that's part of what was off-putting to me about trying it once I watched the video. But I think, I think I'm ready to, to do that again. I'll definitely get that to you. Yes. Okay, I sent you two, two links to some searches. Sailboo. I have never heard this word ever. Okay. Really? Yeah, I know. I don't know. I, I mean, I, as much as I read and look at things, I'm still, I'm still a novice, really. You know, my education is early. That beautiful, stark contrast, black and white Norwegian knitting black is and white. absolutely yeah. gorgeous. And there's lots and lots of mittens. Go figure. Yes. Mittens are a big thing. Who'd have thought? Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, you can see the patterns mm -hmm. they use. It's not it's not your typical like Norwegian star or anything like that that you would see in like fair isle knitting. Yeah, it's a it's a little more curved, a little more yeah, spirals. And that is me. Scroll work, mm -hmm. I guess, would be a good Yeah, that's a good work. Word yeah. Because then I that. sent you another link to Fair Isle so you could see the difference. And Fair Isle uses a lot of what is known as an XOX pattern. Like, that's really famous mm -hmm. base, and it's like an elongated circle di and lots of diagonal lines. And I was reading in the Stara, mm, the Alice Starmore book, uh -huh. the book of Fair Isle Knitting, the r part of the reason they use a lot of diagonals in their knitting is that it breaks up the tension. Oh, of the Of the, the fabric. So if you had everything oh. in columns and in straight lines up and down, the fabric would actually end up being tighter and less forgiving. But if you start putting your stitches on angles, changing where you're, you know, wow. where you change the color from, you know, white to black or whatever, if you make that into a diagonal, it makes the fabric a little more forgiving and stretchier. That's one of the things I love about the innovations that, People working with fibers for hundreds of years, they're not only beautiful, it's mm -hmm. not all about just being pretty. It's like the things about the fabric that is created by this technique yeah. and how it feels and how it stretches and moves or how it wears. Right. I'm like, just floored by that sometimes. Yeah. Like the reason we have ribbing at the bottom of a sweater. Yes. Is to hold the hot air in. It's oh. supposed to be tight. So you create this balloon of hot air around your body. That and sounds it lovely right that. now. I'm a little bit chilly and just thinking about a balloon of hot air. Yeah, I mean, so that's why ribbing, you know, you generally either go down a needle size or you, okay. you know, knit fewer stitches so that it actually clings to your body at that point. And then you increase to create some ease, makes it easier to wear, and it creates this 
space and, in between the yarn and your body, just like a muff, like we were talking mm-hmm. about. Like a, you know, there's a there's a level of understanding that you have of these ideas. Like, okay, that kind of makes sense that it would just sort of pull in there at the bottom. But, but it's think, not a very flat. Like, if you were gonna yeah. knit something to be flattering, you're not gonna put Mm-mm. a really tight band down there. No. You want it to flow, but traditional sweaters for warmth do not flow. They are not flattering. They are very boxy. Yeah, and their their purpose is to keep your butt warm. I mean exactly. your, your whole torso. And <laughs> the the color patterns and or cable patterns like for Gainsey or Jersey, whatever they're called. Uh-huh. Those sweaters. You know, the patterning, whether it's knit pearl or the Aaron sweaters you know, those are there to make it prettier, but it's mm-hmm. still a functional garment. Yeah. And I, I think that, um, I guess just what it takes, you know, as a knitter, when you're, you're out there and you're just kind of coming across, like, I want to pull this in a little bit. I'm going to do a decrease. I'm going to think about how I put in my decrease. That sort of stuff, that makes sense to me. But when people get to the point where I'm going to spend months and months on a sweater and then think about how this fabric works and how I can do it better next time. And in the time when they were having to spin all this by hand, you, oh, you have to yeah. have a certain level of admiration for their innovation and their thought that just went into this. Oh, like, yeah. It's, it's amazing. It's so beautiful. I almost, I mean, I know it's not lost because there's evidence all over the knitting world and all oh, yeah. over places that it's still out there. But I wonder about our innovations. You know, what are we innovating on these days? What are, what are the geniuses coming up with now? I mean, there's so much that's already done. I don't know. True. Probably. I don't know. I mean, not too long ago, they found a new way of knitting with circular needles. Magic loop and two circulars. Yeah, I guess so. That's been in our lifetime. Has it? I was wondering about that. I think about my circulars a lot. It's like, man, they well, would have loved I this think... hundreds of years ago, but they didn't have the plastics that we right. have. And the plastics didn't become good enough until, I think, the 90s for Magic Loop. Wow. I really think it was the 90s. That's probably true. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I mean, think of I those early wildly wrong, but <laughs> I do believe Magic Loop was kind of a '90s, maybe late '80s thing. Because I mean, you think about knitting needles. Up until that point, yeah, there were there were circulars. Because I know that Elizabeth Zimmerman talks about circulars wow, and some okay. of her things, but I think they're the very stiff. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. The very the, stiff, the very just, expensive ones that you can buy for just a couple of dollars that right. just are incorrigible. You can't do a thing with them. You can't do anything with it. So I think it was when the plastics became better. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you you can Google um, women knitting, you know, in the round um, back in the day, it was all the DPNs though. But these DPNs were like a meter long. Yes, huge DPNs. They weren't walking around with these things. <laughs> yeah, they were. Well, they were. They were really? doing all of their work throughout the day. Like if they had to carry stuff from point A to point B, they put it on their back and they have a belt. The yarn harlot. Now, yes, I've seen that, the whole lever knitting thing. But can you do that with really super long DPNs and not drop them? God. That yes. was just, I cannot... Yeah, I am yes. so spoiled. I am so spoiled. <laughs> Let's see if I can find a picture. Yeah, the earliest. The earliest, because it's a black and white picture. I have seen it. But they they wear this belt, and they walk 
and they do everything they can, you know, mm-hmm. and, and they have the, and it's just, I'm sorry, I'm not being very articulate, but I'm trying to find the picture of a woman with the knitting belt. So I don't black it. And she has like Pete on her back. Cool. You know, I was thinking about lever knitting and how I would love to see a class in that at Stitches. I was kind of thinking, wouldn't there be neat if there was a class on that? But I, I haven't seen anything yet, as of yet. I was also looking up, um, like how to speed up your knitting. I knit Continental and last Saturday I spent a just hour and a half or so on YouTube just looking around for anybody's how to speed up your knitting, how to knit faster. And it's it was not very helpful. I looked up um the best ones I found were there was a Russian person who basically knits Continental like I do. And I saw a video that the world's fastest knitter sits down with um, Kelly Petkin from Knit Picks, mm-hmm. and they don't even show her hands close up and what she's doing. They just they're no. talking, and you're like, "Oh, I see what you're doing." Okay, but the the whole key to it, and it's what you do, of course, is holding that um, strand of knitting so close to your fingertip. Yep, that you think it's going to fall off, but it isn't because you know. You can hold your finger out. That's what I'm working on right now to speed up my knitting. Because I feel like there's not a whole lot else I can do as far as as anything else. I don't have any. I don't have that many other options. I already knit Continental, and I already try to keep my movements small. You know, I mean, it's it's improved from throwing, but I never was really a thrower. I was a not a picker, not a thrower. There's another word out there too for Flicker. That's it. I was a flicker. <laughs> yeah. Which I didn't even really hear until YouTube last Saturday. Mm-hmm. But that's, that more explained how I, I was pretty fast. I felt with, you know, my right hand holding the yarn in my right hand. But it was only, it was only going to go so far. Yeah, I was pretty quick with my, my right hand. I was really good at purling that way. Ugh. I could just do, 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 and I felt like that was it. So once I switched to Continental and I did it for ergonomic reasons more than anything, I have, I don't know if I've sped up at all. In fact, I may still be slower than I was when I was doing flicking, but I don't know. I, I've sped up. Well, I, I want to do a exercise where we time it. Okay. Like do it this way, do it this way, do it this way, see what's faster, see what's see what the difference is and I think we're going to post some close up maybe video definitely okay. photography of how we hold our needles and what we what gets the best results to really move because ultimately it's not that I I don't want to be a speed knitter but I have a lot that I need to get done <laughs> that's the whole reason I started yes. working on getting faster but I think I have an advantage over some people because I do have pretty good dexterity and hand strength. Yes. From my years playing musical instruments. Oh, that's playing that's piano and playing cello. I have really good fine motor skills. Wow. That's that is a very interesting point. Now, I feel like as an artist, you know, I've done a lot of very fine pen work and things like that, but 
I don't think that's given me any. No, any... you have you have good control study hand. Yes, type and that's stuff, a totally different story. I have hand strength. I mean, you know how strong my hands are. They are. They're very strong. <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, yeah, I have very strong hands, which, I mean, I got from my dad. My dad has really strong hands. And, and put on top of that, I have, you know, I started playing piano when I was four. So that fine motor skill, that dexterity, mm-hmm. all that kind of training started when I was really young. Wow, and, and so that does that, build up and make a difference over yeah, the years. Yeah, I mean, like, I haven't touched my cello in, like, ten years. Whoa. And I pulled it out, and, you know, I'm nowhere near where I was, but just in the last two weeks since I've pulled it back out, I can see a difference, I can feel a difference, my hands aren't tired anymore, and it just was two weeks. That's wonderful. And it and it's coming back. I mean, I'm nowhere near where I was the last time I played, but well, I, I'm not yeah. as ashamed. No, you shouldn't be, and that's wonderful. I'm so glad that you've pulled that back out. I think it's just a really neat thing, and I'd love to I'm, imagine, you know, Evelyn's memories growing up. She's going to remember having her mom, you know, this beautiful music floating in from the other room. That that's part of yeah. being at home. It, it's funny. My mom played the piano when I was growing up. Mm-hmm. She was really good. And I remember dancing around the house while Aww. she played the piano. And now I'm practicing, you know, playing cello and I see her. And here comes your little ballerina. Yeah. <laughs> and it's and it, it warms my heart. It's like, oh Yes. I used to do that with and that's, my mom. So yeah, yeah. That's lovely. I just I love that. I love having music in the house. Yeah, I I love having music in the house. I mean, you know, I'm not so good at piano because I I quit piano and took it and quit and took it in college and haven't really kept up with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do like to sit and, and sing at the piano and play, you know, some old standards or, you know, soundtrack type things. That's so neat. Yeah. So, and you know, it's the same with being a knitter too. I think that that sort of thing, you leave these, these, um, uh, artifacts and remembrances of things that you've made with people and they have a, a lovely sort of extra special memory of this person who did this thing, does this thing still, of course, but you know, I don't know when I see an old friend and I decide to give her my shawl because she compliments it. It makes me feel really good because mm-hmm. I feel like, you know, every time she looks at that, she, she won't help be able to help, but remember that I cared about her. You know, you yes. have to give her this because, because it's special and I know that she'll appreciate it. So that's, that's one of the, the blessings of knitting for me always is being able to give it. I just love that. It's, I, I think too, that comes from making art for people. So, I mean, all my life I've made things and given them away when it comes to art, you know, she likes this picture. Okay. You can have it. <laughs> yeah. I, you know? I love the piece. Oh yeah. In, in my house that you did. And I, I still, I think that's one of the main pleasures of making art is feeling it, like I can give you something that you can't necessarily get anywhere else. You know? Yeah. I mean, I just, I love, I love it. It makes me smile every time I look at it. Oh, well, thank you. Well, yeah, I love it. And you should explain to everyone what the, the painting is. Oh, well, I, Amanda was visiting and she saw a painting in my house and she was like, oh, I just love this. I love this. And um, 
I said, you know, I think you should have that. And she was kind of like, what? But I was ready to, you know, I have so many paintings. I don't have enough room to hang them all, <laughs> which is a you know, problem. So if somebody really enjoys and appreciates something, that's sometimes likely to happen. And it's an um, acrylic canvas that I did of the Kumari, which is a, um, it's a Tibetan tradition, I believe, that they choose a young girl and sort of venerate her as a goddess until she reaches womanhood. And it's, so it's kind of a sad story. It is. It's a, you know, cause she's kept isolated and the things that have happened with the Kumaris in the recent years, like they didn't used to even educate them. They do now, mm-hmm. but, um, then it was, you know, said to be bad luck to marry a former Kumari. Cause you know, she's not Kumari anymore once she's becomes a woman. And it, it was just a very, when I read about the whole tradition and I saw it, you know, there's this little girl with these giant brown eyes and she looks so beautiful and she's decorated and they painted her and decorated her all these interesting ways. And yet she's so sad. And so I don't know, I just had to paint her, but I also like the, the thought of her being remembered, doing what she's, what's happened to her, you know, like it's going to always be the part of this woman's life. Yes. So I don't know. I painted it and I enjoyed working on it. And now Amanda has it. And every so often, if I'm at her house, I'll look up and go, huh? Oh yeah, I did that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That happens sometimes when I visit and I see art that I've done and given away. I'm like, Oh, that's kind of neat. Oh wait, that's really familiar. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, it's, it's in a place, you know, it's right above my, it's on my mantle above my fireplace. So every time I sit on the couch, I look at it and I Aww. love it. I love that's, it. And I think that's the thing too, that knitters do when they give yeah. away something. It's like every time you put that shawl around your shoulder, you, you remember, mm-hmm. but my sister made this for me or, you know, my aunt did or, or my cousin, you know, so right. yeah. it's a special thing. I d- yeah, I, you have to be really special. Okay, yes. We talked about yes, this. You have, have to be really special for me to knit for you. Mm-hmm. Or if you, yeah, if you ask me to knit for you. But <laughs> there, there's only one person besides, you know, my family that I, I freely give things to. If she says she likes something, it's automatically hers. Aww. Or, you know, I'll plan something for her birthday or mm-hmm. Christmas that I'll knit for her. And that's my friend, Laura. And she's... <sighs> She's your oldest friend. She's my oldest friend. She's the closest I think I'll ever come to having a sister. Yes. Because we've known each other since we were 12. We we kind of went through some similar things when we were in high school. Her parents got a divorce and her dad kind of dropped off the face of the earth, started a new family kind of thing. You know, my mom died around. I mean, it was like very oh. at the same time. We kind of went through the same loss of a parent yeah. thing. And we both... Uh, had difficulties with the remaining parent. We both didn't finish college. We, I mean, there are a lot of parallels to us. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, she's just, it's just weird. She's, she's just, just always been there. Yeah. 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 And since I'm an only child, that's what I mean. She's the closest thing I'll ever, I'll ever have. And even people, you know, she just had a baby, four months ago and people refer to her child as my niece. Oh yeah. She technically, so, basically, yeah, that's the way basically. It works. Yeah. And Evelyn calls her and her and her husband as her favorite aunt and uncle. That's so, yeah, that is really special. Yeah, so, it's really neat. 
yeah, I mean, they're just, it's, it's great. It like, yeah. <laughs> it's always good to have extra family. Yes. Especially <laughs> when you don't have much family. Cause I don't have the sisters, so I don't have, I don't have sister or brother. And so I don't have any nieces, nephews, in-laws, anything on my side. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm one of five cousins on my dad's side. So, and yeah. only, only one of them is married. None of them have children. Well, no, I take it back. One cousin has a child and oh. then there's Evelyn. So there's, there's nothing on my mom's side. There were only three cousins and one of them passed away. So there's just me and my, my one cousin and she has two kids. Wow. And that's saying a lot because my mom came from a, a Catholic Hispanic family. Wow, that is, you're right, because they're known for having generally a larger family Yeah, structure. my grandfather came from 17. Goodness. My grandmother, I think she came from five, four or five. And then her and my grandfather had four, a boy <laughs> and three girls. So, yeah. The boy, the, my uncle didn't have any kids, and then the three girls only had one child apiece. And that wow. was it. So, yes, knit for your family. Because yes. they're precious. They are precious. Or that special someone who is as good as family. Yeah, that's right. If you mm-hmm. have that special someone who's as good as family, then definitely. Yep. And even if they don't appreciate it now, they might later still. I don't know. I'd rather them appreciate it now. Because they're going <laughs> to no, well, they're right. gonna take care of it and it'll mm-hmm. last. Oh, definitely, definitely. You know. So, yeah. well. There you go. That's, those are my opinions today. Well, that should be our parting thoughts on this lovely day, yes, this snowy this... birthday of yours. Yes. So I'm going to go and yeah, do birthday things, I guess. Go get some more coffee. Keep your yeah. toes warm. Put on go your answer all my, all my phone messages because it's been blowing up since we've been talking. Oh, I bet it has. Yeah, with like people coming out of the woodwork. I haven't talked to them in like six months, but it's happy birthday. Happy birthday, crazy. <laughs> awesome. So... Well, I will catch up with you soon. And, yes. And goodbye to our to listeners you. until yes. next time. Goodbye. Thanks stay for warm. listening. Okay. Yeah, stay warm. Bye. Bye. Bye.